But it's great to be back again in Moody'sburn, and I do trust the Lord will bless us as we turn to his precious word. And I feel a wee bit more home this morning because there are some folks from the old country. <laughs> so I'm not feeling so lonely among you Glaswegians and wherever you come from. I want to read this morning from the Word of God, as we find it in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. It's very interesting when you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that it is only recorded on two occasions that our Lord Jesus marveled. That is not to say that he only marveled twice in his lifetime, but it is only recorded in the four Gospels that he marveled on two occasions. And of course, immediately we want to ask the question, do we not, at what did the Lord marvel? The first thing we're told that he marveled at was unbelief. When he went to preach among his own people in Capernaum, they took offense at him. And they said, from whence have this man this wisdom? And from whence is he doing these great miracles? Is not this the carpenter? Do we not know his brothers and his sisters? They are all with us. And the Bible says they were offended at him. As if to say, who does he think he is? We've seen him growing up among us. Look at him. Who does he think he is? And the Bible says 
he marveled, not at their unbelief, but because of their unbelief, of the hardness of their hearts. And because of that, the Bible says he could do no miracles, save he let his hands upon a few sick folk and heal them. The second time that Jesus marveled is here in Matthew chapter 8. He marveled at the so great faith of the centurion. It says in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And is it a sad indictment to the nation of Israel that our Lord Jesus had to find in a pagan, in a Gentile, so great faith. And just for a little time this morning, dear friends, I want to draw your attention to this centurion. And the more we think about him, the more we begin to wonder and to be amazed at the so great faith that he had in our wonderful and our precious Lord Jesus. And let me approach this in a very simple way. Let me say four things about the faith that this centurion had in Jesus. First of all, we're going to see that he had faith in the Lord's person. And then secondly, we're going to see he had faith in the Lord's words. And then third, we're going to see he had faith in the Lord's power. And then lastly and quickly, we shall see he had faith in the Lord's declaration. And these are the four ways in which the faith of this Gentile, this pagan, was exercised in our blessed and wonderful Lord Jesus. First of all, he had faith in the Lord's person. Notice how he addressed him. He said twice, Lord. Now, the Greek word that is translated Lord in our New Testament is curious. And this word curious could be rendered as Lord or as Sir or as Master. And we don't know exactly what the centurion meant when he addressed the Lord as Lord. Did he mean it in the sense that we speak of Jesus as Lord? Or was he referring to him simply as Sir? Or was he referring to him as Master? How we would love to know just exactly what he meant when he said Lord. Because there's something special about the centurion. First of all, we notice from Luke's version that he loved the Jewish nation. Secondly, at his own expense, he built them a synagogue. 
So you see immediately there's something special about this centurion loving the Jewish nation and going to the trouble at his own expense of building them a synagogue. Now if you'd have lived in our Lord's day and went to the synagogue, there were three categories who would attend the synagogue. First of all, there would be the Orthodox Jews. But then secondly, in the congregation, there were what is known as proselytes. Now a proselyte was a Gentile who had converted to Judaism. They came to acknowledge that Yahweh was the true God. And they converted to Judaism to the extent that they even got circumcised. So they were proselytes. But in addition to the Orthodox Jews and to the proselytes, there were a fourth category, and that was known as the God-fearers. Now these also were Gentiles who attended the synagogue, recognized that Yahweh, Jehovah, was the true God, but they were not prepared to be proselytes and to be circumcised. They were classified as God-fearers. And there's every possibility that this centurion wasn't a proselyte, but had come to acknowledge that God was the true God. And when he came to Jesus, he recognized something about him that he addressed him in this lovely word, Kurios, Lord. And of course, we would like to believe and think, do we not, that when he looked at our Lord Jesus, that he would see that there's something different about him. He is indeed Lord and Master. So he had faith in the Lord's person. But then notice secondly, that he had faith in the Lord's words. Because when Jesus said, okay then, I shall come and heal your servants. Immediately the centurion said, now Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be now then, we must recognize something about a centurion. The centurions in the Roman army were the backbone to the Roman army. They were responsible for discipline in the Roman army. And a centurion would be responsible for 50, 60, 80, or even 100 soldiers at one time. And when the centurion said to a soldier, go, that soldier went. And when he said to a soldier, come, that soldier would come. But he said to a servant, do this, he would do it, because his word was backed with all the might of the Senate of Rome. He was under authority. And because he was under authority, he exercised authority. 
And that is what the Bible means when we speak of a centurion. Part of the backbone of the Roman army. Responsible for discipline among the soldiers. And when this centurion came to Jesus. Yes, he called him Lord. But he also recognized that wait a minute. I've been hearing some wonderful things about this man. Because at this time, we would say the Lord was famous. He was going about here, going about there. He was healing the sick. He was cleansing the lepers. He was giving sight to the blind. He was giving hearing to the deaf. He was cleansing the lepers. And he even was raising the dead. And this made this centurion sit up. Here's someone, he just doesn't speak. But there is power and there is authority behind it. And he puts the, two to, 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 puts the two and two together. He says, I've got authority from the Senate of Rome. Here's someone, and he also has authority. I have only to speak the word to my soldiers and they obey me. So likewise, this Jesus, if he's only got to speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. So he had faith in the Lord's words, as well as the Lord's person. Think of it, friends. Speak the word only. That's all you have to do. You don't need to come to my house. I'm not worthy to have you. You don't need to come. All you have to do is to speak the words, and my servant shall be healed. But then, thirdly, he had faith in the Lord's power. He says, Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. No ifs, no buts. No perhapses, no doubt, no uncertainty. Lord, when you speak that word, immediately my servant shall be healed. My dear friends, are you beginning to see something of the faith of this man? Of this pagan? Of this Gentile? In the person of our blessed Lord himself. Faith, so great faith in his person, so great faith in his word, and then so great faith in his power to carry out what he says he's going to do. But then notice fourthly, he has faith in the Lord's declaration. Because here's what verse 13 says. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So he had faith in the Lord's declaration. He had no evidence. He had no proof until he went home. And saw his servants, that was dear unto him, completely healed of his disease. But you see, he had faith in the Lord's declaration. My dear friends, is it no wonder 
that when the Lord heard what the centurion said and of his faith he turned around to those around him and he says he marveled he was astonished and he says I have not found so great faith not just faith not just great faith but so great faith no not in Israel what an indictment to the nation of Israel his own people that he had to find in a pagan a Gentile an example of so great faith the centurion went home and he found his servant completely made whole the Lord didn't even go to see the servant didn't even touch him it all happened because of the word that was spoken by the Lord himself. My dear friends, in Moody'sburn Church this morning, as I look around you, young, old, bit of age, as the Lord looks upon you and as he looks upon me, I wonder how is he going to marvel? Because there's one thing you can notice when you read the Gospels, and it's this. Our Lord was always on the lookout for faith. And whenever he found it, it brought delight and joy to his heart. And also he rewarded faith when he found it. And in Moody's Burden Fellowship this morning, the same Lord, our Lord Jesus, is looking at this little congregation and I wonder how he's going to marvel. Is he going to marvel at your unbelief like those of his own people? Or is he going to marvel at your so great faith? You see, you know as well as I do, we live in a scientific age, a technological age. Knowledge is advancing at a tremendous rate. You buy a computer a day and no sooner you put it out of the shop, it's out of date. Knowledge is increasing at a tremendous rate. And uh, the atheistic scientists would tell us the time will come in which they'll be able to explain everything about the, co about the cosmos, uh, about the solar system, about the universe. Uh, and uh, we have no need of anything else. But I want to say, dear friend, that even though we live in a scientific and a technological age, we still need faith let me show you this the Bible says without faith you can't please God Hebrews 11 without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that it is and he's rewarder of them that diligently seek him so you can't please God apart from faith. You need faith to please God. Even though you live in a scientific and technological age. You need faith to please him. 
But secondly, you, you can't be saved without faith. Ephesians 2, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should perish. And if you're ever going to get to heaven, if you're not a Christian, you will have to have faith in Jesus Christ as your Saviour and as your Lord. So you can't please God apart from faith, and you can't be saved without faith. And also the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. The Christian life is a life of faith. Faith in God. Faith in his precious word, the word of God. So tell me, does he marvel at your unbelief? Or does he marvel at your so great faith? And how sad the heart of the Lord was at his own people when they were offended at him. They rejected him. And he had to leave them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. In spite of his miracles, in spite of his healing, in spite of his teaching, they rejected him. Who does he think he is? This Galilean, this one from Nazareth. But I wonder as he looks at you and as he looks at me, does he does it bring delight and joy? And pleasure in in your in his heart when he sees your so great faith in him. And what a privilege it is, what a joy it is to put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus. If I would ask all those of us who are Christians in this meeting this morning to stand up and give your testimony. What an exciting time we would have. What a wonderful time we would have. Up you would get, brothers and sisters, and you would say, yes, Stanley, it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn and sad. And I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Well, you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross of Calvary. And did we not discover it wasn't the church that saved you. It wasn't morality that saved you. It wasn't your good works that saved you. It wasn't your respectability that saved you. It was faith in Jesus Christ. You trusted him as your own personal saviour and lord. Now, let me ask you another question. Those of us who are Christians this morning, tell me, how's your faith these days? How's your faith? We hear about your health. We hear about your finances. Well, how's your faith this morning? Is it growing? Is it maturing? Is it getting deeper? Because the Bible speaks of different types of faith. It speaks of little faith. 
And the Lord had rebuked his disciples to remember, O ye of little faith. Is that you this morning? Little faith? And then it speaks of those who had great faith. The servant woman. Great is your faith. And then here it says to the centurion, so great faith. Now I've got good news for you. Listen very clever. I've got tremendous news. Your faith can grow. Because faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you exercise it, it gets greater, gets more mature, it gets more deeper. So there's no need to stop at little faith. You can progress onto great faith, and you can progress on from great faith onto so great faith. That is why I ask you, how's your faith this morning? Is it growing? Is it maturing? Are you progressing from little faith to great faith? And from great faith to so great faith. You know, Sam, over the years, I have met many strange Christians. No doubt you have also. Christians that have got strange ideas. And you know, there are some Christians, and they've got this idea that one day there's going to be a knock on the door, or the doorbell will ring. And when they open the door, lo and behold, there's Gabriel standing in front of them with a tray. And he says, you've been asking for faith? Well, here it is. All the way from heaven, it's on the tray, and it's for you. Let me say, dear Christian, that will never happen. That knock will never come. That doorbell will never ring, and you will never meet Gabriel with the faith on the tray. Here's what the Bible says Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you want your faith strengthened and matured, then here's what to do get into the Bible. Read it, study it, meditate upon it, and you will find, as you do that, that your faith will begin to grow and mature. Because faith is grounded in the promises of God. You see, faith has to hold on to something. And faith holds on to the word of God. That's what the centurion held on to. Speak the word only. The word of Jesus. And I do trust, my dear friends, when I come again to Moody's Burn, that you shall greet me when I do come through those doors. And you shall say, Stand, you remember when you preached a few months ago, whatever, on faith. I've got news for you. I've got great faith. I've got so great faith because I've been getting into the word of God and I've been discovering that my faith has been maturing. It's been growing richer and it's growing deeper. And I'm accomplishing greater and mighty things in his name. Faith 
mighty faith the promises and looks to that alone laughs at impossibilities and cries it shall be done so forget about the living in a scientific age technological age you shall still need faith in God in his word in the Lord Jesus and in the blessed word of God itself God bless you